Will again. Initiating sequence. Welcome. In the last episode, we went through the moral arguments. We've been through the problem of evil in the past, but this is a good time to bring up the problem of suffering because people can intellectually grasp the moral argument. People can work through the problem of evil, but the problem of suffering as humans is right in our face all the time. And it's a question that often needs to be answered once we've established that we have the moral argument. And the problem of suffering is essentially, so we've reached the conclusion that God exists. So if God exists, how come we have suffering? Why would, why would he permit suffering? And we can all think about the worst case scenarios. Perhaps the child with leukemia who's too young to even understand what's happening to their body or any other atrocity, whether it be burning, drowning, anything that happens to specifically someone who's really innocent like a child. What's that all about? The general response as a Christian would be that there is absolutely no explicit contradiction between them. In order to have a contradiction, we need to have opposites. And having a all-powerful, loving God and suffering is not an opposite. So it's not an explicit contradiction. But they might say, well, there's some hidden or implicit contradiction between them. Put in a syllogism form would be something like, if God is all-powerful, he can create any world that he wants to. And the next premise, if God is all-loving, then he would prefer a world without suffering. Therefore, there is an implicit contradiction between God and suffering. So let's break this down a little bit. The first one, if God is all-powerful, he can create any world that he wants to. Well, this is kind of true, but not necessarily true. Because if God wants to have people with free will, it's impossible to force people to do something freely. So there must be some potential in order to choose not to do what's right. And surely at some level that entails a negative outcome of some sort. As discussed last episode, God is good by nature, so he will do good. But he will also follow logic. And that means that he won't make a round square. He won't do something that's logically impossible. And of course, if the response is that God can do anything, he defies logic itself, then that kind of solves this whole problem. Because logically, if there is a contradiction between suffering and God, then it evaporates because God can bring that about because logic no longer exists if they want to go there. And for the second premise, if God is all loving, he prefers a world without suffering. Well, this is answered simply by noticing that God may have a reason for the suffering in the world. All we have to do is just refer to an analogy. If you've got a puppy and you take them to the vet, they'll likely go through some pain in the procedures that they're going to do to the puppy. Or if you have a child and you take them to the doctors for their vaccination, particularly at a really young age, they won't understand while you're holding on to them, essentially holding them down while they have a needle stabbed into their skin, not understanding 
that you can see the greater good for it. And I think the same applies for God. If he can see the end from the beginning, and surely he can see that there may be a reason for suffering. And simply by demonstrating this, we have overcome this objection. So basically, we don't know everything that's going to happen. We don't know the end from the start. So because we don't know this, we're not really in the position to make such a probability judgment on God and suffering. And further to this, the Christian worldview is one where our goal in life is not actually happiness. And this may be a revelation for some people who follow the branch of Christianity based on the prosperity gospel, but God never created us simply to be happy. Sure, it's one of the wonderful gifts that he's given us, but it's not the sole purpose of our lives here on earth. Our purpose would be to love God with all our hearts and minds and bodies and love our neighbours as we love ourselves. And as God watches on from eternity, we are also instructed that if we love God and accept Jesus as our saviours, then we will be accepted into heaven, which means eternal life, eternal bliss. And if you compare eternal joy without any suffering, pure love and pure goodness for eternity, well, that means that any amount of suffering that someone can accumulate within 100 years or so would be nothing in comparison. But that doesn't actually help us so much with the emotional problem of evil. And although logically this is not strong grounds to reject God, emotionally it's incredibly strong. If you're the parents of a child who has been suffering and then dies even though you've been praying, that will take a massive toll. And this certainly happens. Again, the reasons why can be answered in our first section when we talk about the intellectual problem of evil and that God knows the end from the beginning, and that we even live in a fallen world, in that the purpose is not happiness, that God may have sufficient reason in that eternity in heaven is greater than suffering on earth and all these things. But anything that I've just mentioned will not help that grieving parent. And having worked with people who are grieving, I would never think that anything I could say would make things better. Initially, it's all about just being with the person, being available to them. And then when they are ready to talk about it, particularly if they are Christian or if they're exploring it, we can simply refer back to Jesus. As a child, and maybe you did too, have you ever wondered why Jesus had to die on the cross? He could have just flicked his fingers and forgiven all of sins, but instead he had to die on the cross for our sins. Intellectually, we know that it's because of substitutionary atonement in that justice had to take place and he took upon the suffering in order for that justice to take place. So we understand that at an intellectual level, but at an emotional level, 
this is where it really helps. If you think about it, that Jesus, who was perfect, never committed any sins, grew up, loved others, taught others all about how they can be saved forever. And because of this, he was punched, he was whipped, he was forced to carry that heavy cross with thorns on his forehead. He was forced onto the cross with nails shoved into his wrist and his feet to hang on that cross until he slowly died by asphyxiation. Such a terrible way to die for someone who is innocent. But there is the analogy, isn't it? We have that poor little child or baby who suffered and died. Jesus understands that because he was innocent and he was tortured, suffered and died a painful death. Only because of this, he is relatable beyond anyone else. Furthermore, he did this absolutely willingly. And so if this is true, then all of us should be really taking stock of our lives and saying, well, somebody loves us that much that they would endure all of that for us. And that includes those who presently aren't suffering and also it holds an answer for those who do suffer. So logically and emotionally, there is no contradiction between God and suffering. There are answers out there. And if we contrast this with the alternative, that there was no God and that there's suffering in the world. Let's say that we have some sick and perverted serial killer who would torture little children before he killed them. Or we have a child who dies as a baby through a painful bone disease. What is the atheistic response to this sort of situation? Some schools of atheism buy into determinism. So therefore, the awful person who did this to the children is not morally culpable for it, so we shouldn't blame him. And the death of the child? Well, that doesn't really matter because it's just a animal that has evolved from a lower to a higher order from accident by no ultimate purpose. So it's just part of nature's way that bad things happen. So you see, that is why Christianity is so powerful. Most importantly, because it's true, but also the completeness with which it answers these difficult questions. Just go back a couple of hundred years ago when the royals and the church basically dictated what would happen in all circumstances. We had the Enlightenment come into play, which essentially promoted reasons and science over this hierarchy. This age of reason is often touted by atheists as being the overcoming of religion, but it's absolutely the opposite. All the great Enlightenment thinkers were Christian. The foundation, as I mentioned in past episodes, was the fact that we're created in God's image, that we all have great, great value because of this, which has ultimately led us to where we are today. With all of these freedoms, with all of this understanding and knowledge, because God has created an orderly world in which we can follow. 
those atheists who rebel against this are kind of left up the creek without a paddle, if you know what I mean, because if you think about the people in the early 1900s who tried to really think their way through this, people like Camus, they started to realize that life is ultimately meaningless. Camus talks on to say whether or not to commit suicide is the greatest question we should all ask ourselves, as life has no meaning. He gives the analogy of the happy Sisyphus. Sisyphus is that guy who is rolling this huge boulder up a mountain. And so it's just a futile struggle. Barring suicide, his solution was to promote some form of brotherhood and just try and get through it or commit suicide, which is logically consistent with atheism. So that's the problem of suffering. It's a difficult topic. Just remember, Christianity provides solid answers logically and emotionally for the problem of suffering. Contrasted with anything, atheism, there is no meaning, there is no purpose, there's no reason why there is suffering, ultimate despair. Hinduism, life is an illusion, so therefore it doesn't matter if that person suffered, it's just a dream, it doesn't really matter. Buddhism, there is no evil, life is suffering, it's up to the individual to respond how they deal with suffering, including the poor little child who doesn't have the cognitive faculties in order to comprehend what's happening to them. Not very reassuring. The list goes on, but only Christianity has these logically sound arguments plus the suffering Messiah, where we can see our God coming into human flesh, taking on torture and torment, all because of the love of us. And once you truly understand that, life will never be the same again. I hope this episode has been useful if you or someone you love is going through a degree of suffering. And even if you're not, then today's a great day just to meditate over the fact that God loves you so much he suffered and died for you. I'll see you on the next episode.